Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. Today's Great Conversation is a special encore chat with Evie Wilde. The Final Draft Great Conversations podcast is all about books, writing, and literary culture. My name's Andrew Popel. Every week I broadcast Final Draft from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. Final Draft is dedicated to exploring Australian writing from debut authors to household names. Every week we look into the issues that drive our storytelling and help you discover more from the books you love. These are the stories that make us who we are. Now, 2SER broadcasts from the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and I'm recording on the lands of the Darug and Gunungurra people. I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of those lands and pay my respects to their ongoing connection to their lands. This is stolen land, unceded land. Treaty has never been made in Australia. Now, Evie Wilde is the Miles Franklin Award-winning author of All the Birds Sing. She joined me on Final Draft last year to discuss The Bass Rock. It's a novel which has gone on to win the Stella Prize, the premier prize for women writers and non-binary writers in Australia. So today we're going to revisit that conversation. It's a special extended chat that I've, I've remastered the audio and I've added in some extra bits that kind of set up the conversation, the things that didn't make it to air last time. The Bass Rock weaves together three narratives across the centuries, exploring the pervasive violence that women must live with daily. The novel opens on a scene of a child with her mother walking on the beach, only to make a gruesome discovery. Now, in part one of this conversation, Evie and I, we get chatting about bookstores and booksellers, and Evie helps us set up and understand the novel by exploring each of the protagonists of her three narratives. So join me today as we celebrate Evie Wilde's win in the Stella Prize and talk about The Bass Rock. I have been really looking forward to this conversation. Um... Oh, housekeeping. I I think I I am pronouncing Evie Wild correctly, but yep, that's it. Please satisfy my curiosity because although I know I will have gone past the uh, the area several times on the train, I am not sure whether I am pronouncing it Bass Rock or Bass Rock. It's Bass, like the fish. That's, that's what I guess. That that was that was my <laughs> guess, <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, I don't want to I think embarrass it's just myself. The word rock, isn't it? It's sort of you know, if there was a guitar on the cover, would be in trouble. It's true. It's true. Um, I don't know that if you you keep abreast of Australian current affairs, and you'd be forgiven for not. In the last couple of days. A story that is absolutely tearing through, I guess, people's hearts is some horrid man setting himself and his family alight in a car. And I just, yeah, I I just sort of feel like in the in the popular news, in the in the tabloid news, the the story just cycles over and over. And to to have an opportunity to talk about it with some subtlety and with some meaning, you know, I'm grateful for for having a book like this to to do that. But um. Yeah, that's the sort of stuff that I, I probably will not will not you know be part of the interview. But yeah, I just I wanted to let you know yeah. that I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I've seen um, I've seen a bit of that in the in the press, and it's it feels very similar to something that happened I think last year in America, mm. um, and also the way it's reported that you know it's all about this wonderful family man who just for no apparent reason snapped, and it's like well. There's reasons. <laughs> yeah, and even even the way they um, just the use of language. Uh, even even when they're not singing the praises of of the person who has committed the crime, they're still using this really passive 
yeah, mm. you know, passive voice. Um, yeah. Saying, you know, man dies or family dies, not not man yeah. kills family. Kills family in um, the worst way possible. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I've seen quite a lot of stuff about um, comparing it to, say, a black guy who's who's killed a man who was trying to rape his daughter. Mm. And, you know, and it's quite astounding the way that the um, that language is used. It's sort of horrific. It's remarkable, yeah. It's almost it's almost sort of weaponized language in the way it can be turned. Yeah. In in that example, it can be turned against um, a minority or a, a non dominant sort of culture person. Um, and subtlety. I did. <laughs> I was flicking through my notes uh, just before I messaged you, and I had written this single word subtlety, and I thought. I remember when I wrote it, I remember when I wrote it, I thought you need to write more than that or you're not going to remember. Um, but it came back It came back to me and because I haven't fully realised it into a question, I just wanted to sort of point out that as I was reading, I, I, I thought how wonderful and how subtle you were in the way you brought the discussion about, but also the way you, you didn't bang us over the head with all of all of the horrible, horrible things that are happening. And then I wondered whether that was intentional or that is coming from because I'm you know I'm a guy I'm not I'm not living in the middle of sort of a toxic patriarchy that has yeah. claims over my body whether that is just what the, there is something of that in life that it just feels like there are these subtle forces being exerted and that's what's been realized in the novel I think it you know it's down to every little detail that once you start noticing it mm. You know, for most of your life as a woman, as a girl, and then a woman, you're you're kind of, that's just what life is. And then when you start noticing it, noticing that every time somebody's walking behind you in the street, night or day, you have this sort of funny little, um, like, countdown that you go and you go, three, two, one, oh, it's fine. But you do do that every time you pass a man on the street um, and you don't notice you're doing it necessarily, but there's just this tension or, you know, going into the barbers and they've got a, um, a list of 12 reasons that beer is better than women or something. And it's like a little jokey thing. And it's just like, you just really hate women <laughs> um, to, you know, to be able to, find that amusing and you know it doesn't mean anything but it it does kind of all build up and stack up um to make you feel like you don't belong in certain places you know I I took my son in there for a a haircut and feeling you know I'm taking my son for a haircut this is a completely normal thing and suddenly felt this like real need to assert myself as like a strong woman who like you know had ideas about the haircut, <laughs> which I absolutely didn't. But just seeing something like that changes your day. Um, or being approached, you know, as soon as you start talking about this stuff with other women and they start telling you their stories, you realise the insidious kind of subtle way that these things creep in. Like, um, you know, I, I'm not sure I could find a single female friend who hasn't, had somebody's penis rubbed on them on the underground or um, somebody put their hand on your knee on the bus or, you know, and it's just very much part of um, being a woman. And it's quite, it might seem like a small incident, but it really um, affects 
where your life goes, I think. Yeah, I I know speaking with my wife, um, you know, just, just in general and, and the way stories can just become a part of relating. Um, didn't quite start the way I wanted to because I wanted to give a nice warm into introduction uh, to the Bass Rock. We might, well, I mean, we, we've, we've sound checked beautifully. The sound looks great. Um, sure. Just to let you know. Okay. But otherwise, yeah, if you're happy to start, I'll, I'll go for it. Absolutely. Thanks, Evie. You are tuned into 2SER 107.3 and this is Final Draft. My name is Andrew Popel and I am joined on the line by Evie Wilde. Evie is the author of the Miles Franklin award-winning novel, All the Birds Singing. And she's joining me over Skype because she has a new novel out. It is called The Bass Rock. Evie, welcome. It's, it's so great to have you. Thanks for having me. Now, Evie, uh, Evie is also a London-based bookseller. Uh, she runs the independent bookstore Review. And because of time zones, this is pre-recorded and we're speaking at the end of my day, but the beginning of Evie's. And Evie, I'm about to do something. I thought, I, I, I just want to start. It's probably something you dread. I'm, I'm going to romanticise working in a bookstore. Because um, everyone who loves books romanticises working in a bookstore. Um, so when when we get off the phone, are you off to to change people's lives with a perfectly timed book, or are you are you more the acerbic, curmudgeonly hiding behind the stacks bookseller? Oh, I was definitely the curmudgeon. Um, I'm I'm not actually behind the um, behind the till anymore since I had my son. But um, but yeah, I was a silent kind of glare in the corner. Um, it's much more friendly now. We've got a much better manager in. Um, I think because I, I get quite easily spooked in bookshops um, if there's like too much fancy classical music or if people are too chatty. So I think I really I really dialed it back a lot. I got a bit black books. I don't know if that's a reference that makes it to Australia, but it's... Um, I think, I, I don't know. When I said a Serbic <laughs> and curmudgeonly, I was actually thinking of Bernard Black and... Um, okay. I, I wasn't. Sh- I wasn't sure if you were still behind uh, the till when your when your bio online said you were um, at review, but it also didn't have the Bass Rock on your profile. So I was like, oh, I wonder if this has been updated. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm very lazy at that. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm a part owner, so and I live on the same road as it, so I'm in there a lot. Um, but just getting in the way instead now. <laughs> I also I also checked. Um, I, I, just because I had a bit of time and I like bookstores, I checked reviews uh, website and noticed on Thursday it opens at twelve, and I could just—I was almost imagine <laughs> you sort of waking up on the lounge to a very, um, a very bright, per- yeah, yeah, waking up by your your bookseller offsider saying, "What if someone wants to buy a book at ten in the morning? Nobody wants to buy a book at ten in the morning." Hello, I'm. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Evie and Andrew quote black books show. So anyway, <laughs> on, on a day selling, if you could cast your mind back, and this mm-hmm. is relevant now, um, how would you go about selling an Evie Wild book if that's not too a cheeky, too cheeky a question? Um, I I never I'd never put my book forward. Mm-hmm. I just think I just would curl up and die on the inside. Um, yeah, I it's not really. If they came across it themselves, depending on the person, I might point out that I wrote it, but otherwise I just keep completely silent and dead inside. <laughs> you wouldn't I was as I was as I was noticing online the books sort of juxtaposed, you wouldn't sort of go with the well, do you like books with, with birds on the front cover or 
<laughs> no, I, I do remember somebody sort of tr- trying to buy a book for their mum and their mum's Australian and, and there was something to do with sheep as well. And I was still, with my last book, I was still like, yeah, can't, nothing comes to mind. <laughs> I think it's just, it just seems too creepy, I think, you know. I don't know. I, I, I would go bright red and it's it's not worth it. When um, when other people were behind the counter, they were amazing at selling it. So I just would hope that they sold it for me. That is well. That's that is that is the correct answer, of course, because um, we know we know the units moved, and and it's just sort of you know wonderful. But I did mention birds on the cover, and I am talking about the Bass Rock. So let's let's get into that novel. And what I what I wanted to start with for the listeners is a bit of a content warning because the novel deals in violence, and particularly violence against women. Um, so inevitably the conversation will go in those directions. And some listeners may find this distressing. And if if you think that's you, you may want to tune out. This is undoubtedly an important conversation, though. Um, so please use your discretion. And if any of the conversation impacts you, you can call Lifeline in Australia on 131114. Um, so now that I've just let people know that, uh, Evie, Let's let's talk about the Bass Rock, which chronicles the lives of three women. It's separated across four centuries in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And it opens with an absolutely horrifying scene of a child and her mother finding a woman's mm. body stuffed in a suitcase on the beach. The moment is punctuated by a trick of the child's memory as a sort of the disembodied eye seems to, to blink. It's immediately mm. followed in Chapter 1, with Vivian arriving in town late at night to catalogue the estate of her grandmother. And as she finishes a late-night shop, Viv is rescued from some creep hiding near her car by a mysterious stranger. The contrasting moments, they, they serve to remind the reader that violence is ever-present, and it's only through solidarity, it seems almost, that women are able to escape it. The collection, the connection between these scenes wasn't immediately apparent to me as I read, but I was hoping you could talk a little bit about the violence that you were exposing here. Um, well, what I wanted to talk about was um, sort of everyday things that women come up against, you know, not necessarily all finding bodies, but um, but this kind of watchfulness that we have to have um, in order to survive. And you know, I was listening a lot to <clears throat> there's a there's an American podcast called My Favorite Murder um, that uh, is just two women talking about uh, their favorite murders and um, and they're comedians and it's very funny and they started it because they felt like they were both very weird for having this interest in in murder. And in fact, what happened is this huge community grew up around them of um, of women saying, "Yeah, we're we're really interested in murder as well and violence and you know, and they they have like meetups and parties and fundraisers and it's huge. Um, and one of the things that has happened is it's women talking about their experiences, and that shared experience means that people are looking out for each other more um and it kind of takes the i think it takes a little bit of the power away from the people committing the violence um i think it i think in noticing and in um looking out for 
other women and, and not being afraid anymore of kind of being rude, which is which is a huge problem um, with uh, with women not wanting to sort of tell someone to leave them alone because it seemed to be rude. Like that's the worst thing that can happen. Um, so yeah, it just feels like there's this uh, really hopeful feeling at the moment what with that and with me too that there are women noticing that everyone has this and they're not alone and it just feels really important to keep that sort of little light going there's so much of the bass rock though where you take us back and we look at how whilst something like me too um, you know, capturing the zeitgeist and, and becoming such a phenomenon may make this seem like a, a very of the moment type of discussion. This is not anything new. This this pervades mm. society. And in Ruth's story, you give us a, a glimpse of life following the war, propriety rules, behaviour, and, and the family dog can't even be buried under its German name for fear of vandals. <laughs> But leeching out from the, the strictures of propriety, however, is this seeming unspoken license that men will do what they will and deny or confabulate to avoid the consequences. It struck mm. me today today we call it gaslighting. But what did mm. what did you see in, in Ruth's position and in her struggle as the new woman in an unfamiliar house in a new town trying to trying to find place? Mm. Well, Ruth is very much based on my British grandmother, who um, sort of followed that timeline. She married my grandfather, who wasn't anything like the the husband, as far as I know, in the um, in the story. But she married my grandfather just after his first wife had died of tuberculosis, and um, he had these two little boys who were obviously traumatized um and as I knew my mother my grandmother she was um really fiercely intelligent but um had never done anything with it um so she was just bored and that meant that she was a gin alcoholic um she was really acerbic she was quite hard to get on with a chain smoker and she was just waiting to die for most of the time that I knew her, actually. And so um, I was sort of, I always had this idea of her as, you know, my my father didn't get along with her. Um, and he was, I don't know. So I sort of inherited that view of her, mm-hmm. that she was just this sort of awful mother who sent them all off to boarding school at eight and didn't have any sort of maternal quality and was all sort of dried up. Um, so then I, after she died, I inherited her photo albums and there are all these photographs of her on her honeymoon being actually incredibly sexy and interesting and engaged in the world and, um, and just sort of someone I'd never thought existed. Um, so that's where Ruth started from. Uh, um, it was looking at my grandmother and, and imagining something else for her, but also, you know, what could have been if she had had the opportunities um, to do something with her brain. 
um, and the things that the things that got in the way of that. Um, yeah, and then it, and then she kind of moved further away from my own grandmother, but it was definitely that was the the starting point for her. In my first reading of the novel, I I just sort of let the events kind of wash over me. But as I as I went through a second time, I particularly was paying attention to these these opening chapters, and I realised I, I realised just the ever presence of violence. And in Ruth's in Ruth's mm-hmm. opening, I felt very much the idea that the violence that was being committed against her was was almost this denial, as you as you sort of said, uh, intelligence that was not allowed to be realised and. For Ruth, it's she's she's sort of dangled with a role, but she's never allowed to fulfil it. The role of mother, the role of uh, you know, it, even a domestic role in the house um, that mm. might that might have been all she she sort of might have looked forward to is taken away by by various circumstances. And when I realised that, it, like that, really floored me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that um, that idea that if you had a daughter. It was about kind of getting them off your hands, um, and it, like my grandmother Ruth's um, sort of beloved older brother was killed at war, and and that really was the family kind of going. Well, that's the end of our useful children. <laughs> so she was, you know, sent. She was sent to school and then didn't do terribly well because she was bored. And so they just took her out and then very young, she was married off to this older man and, and um, yeah, no wiggle room really. It was like no chance even to be a mother because they all got sent off at eight years old. And, you know, this is a really privileged um, upbringing. This is um, upper middle class um, Englishness. So everyone sort of talks like that. And um, and they go to church and they do all these sort of society things. They play golf and um, but it's all it's all with the women kind of running around in the background, being attractive things to look at, and really uh, not much more than that. Um, so yeah, I think it there there was an idea that I always had that the the marriage between my grandmother and my grandfather was purely because he needed a mother for his kids um and then the more i kind of looked at that and unpicked it the more complicated it became i think in the third thread of the bass rock sarah's story takes us immediately into this sort of violence of superstition a young woman has been captured and is to be burned for a witch, but not before she's raped and humiliated by the young men of the village. And this story is set some sort of 300 plus years earlier. The disparity mm. felt in- initially, it initially felt very clear to me, you know, this is a, a, a different time, a different place. But then as I thought about it, I thought these behaviours and I wondered, these mm. behaviours, particularly the victimising, particularly the blame, were they really that far mm. from our reality? Mm. Well, I think, um, you know, when I when I was writing it, I had a, a very small baby, and so I was writing in his naps, and I didn't really have all that much opportunity to think about what I was going to write. I just wrote whatever was sort of closest mm. at that point. 
Um, so all of these different timelines came out and more than the, the three or four that are in there now. Mm. And, um, and I didn't understand at first how they were connected. I, I was like, am I writing four books at the same time? That would be annoying. Um, and, and then when I was about midway through, um, a manuscript, um, you two, uh, not you two, me too happened. And, um, and it just seemed to go, it just seemed to kind of flick a switch in my head was like, oh, this is all the same stuff. It's, um, you know, witch hunting um, still exists. It's just slightly changed shape. And now it's domestic violence um, or whatever, you know, it's just this, the same impulse to um, to burn a woman who steps out of line in any way, whether it's how she looks or how she behaves, um, it feels like that venom is is still very much there. That's it for this great conversation with Evie Wilde. Evie's stellar prize-winning novel, The Bass Rock, is out now through Penguin. Great Conversations is recorded on the lands of the Darug and Gunungurra people. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. If you want to keep up with us, the latest in books, writing and literary culture, we're on the socials. Just look for at Final Draft 2SER. If you subscribe, there is more than one. We've been doing a lot of bonuses lately. There are so many great, so many great episodes of Final Draft to discover and keep up with the latest in Australian books. I'm Andrew Popel. I will be back next week with more great conversations from Final Draft. Till then, happy reading. Bye now.